Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. And here we are, the postseason. We've been waiting all year for this. Um, Sure, the regular season may have... uh, you know, ended on a slippery note, but uh, the Mets found themselves back in the swing of things. We're going to get into the uh, upcoming Mets-Padres series a little bit later in the show. Figured in the first half. By the way, uh, Taron is not with us this week. Um, I like to think that he's out celebrating his uh, him passing the bar exam, at least through the weekend. But apparently he's swamped with work as well. But in my head, Taron is celebrating his... Uh, incredible incredible accomplishment just a huge achievement and uh big congratulations from us at the simply amazing podcast but for the first half of the show we are bringing an old buddy from uh well halfway across the country our buddy james mistrucci from this is believe land give us a little preview of the uh the guardians rays wild card series that's starting off on friday afternoon and of course with the uh with the mets flavor uh, plenty of Mets flavor in, in Cleveland. I'm sure uh, everyone's a little interested on uh, getting a quick update before the, I guess the festivities pop off. James, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. It's been a, been a little bit since we last talked, but you know, I think this is the best time to, you know, reconnect the postseason's right about to begin and the first season under the guardians moniker, they're in the playoffs. Oh, unreal, man. So cool. What a, what a surprising season, you know, you see teams go off on whether it be hot starts, whether it be a, you know, a, a real hot summer, a real hot stretch, and the Guardians just really didn't fall off. They fended off the uh, the White Sox. They, you know, the well, I guess the White Sox and the Twins, mm-hmm. uh, a combination of both uh, self inflicted wounds and and the Guardians just taking care of business. It was actually very cool to see. They were the Guardians this year were just a, a very just consistent team. It's it felt like for most of the season. Sure, there were a couple rough stretches, but they weren't a team that was live by the home run, die by the home run. It was just a lot of that, you know, so they say death by a thousand paper cuts type of offense <laughs> where it's just it's singles, it's good base running, it's going first to third, stealing bases and you know, sacrifice hits and sacrifice flies. I mean, they, they rank towards the top in all of those uh last <laughs> those categories right there. So it's definitely a different type of offense that you're gonna see from the Guardians in the postseason. Oh, sure. I mean, and I think we see it every year how things mm-hmm. get a little bit more tightened up when it comes to the offseason. Nah, not a lot of free outs given out, a lot more smarter baseball. And that seems to kind of be the, you know, the Guardians way of life, you know, just putting the ball in play, letting things kind of develop. And, uh, you know, this is a team with, I want to say, probably a top five batting average. And I absolutely know this for a fact, the lowest strikeout rate in the majors as a team. So, mm-hmm. well, they certainly have an identity and it's, it's worked for them. And, uh, you know, seeing guys like, you know, of course, Andre Semenis had a great year. Mm-hmm. Ahmed Rosario, who, you know, a few years ago might have been pegged as some five-tool phenom. 
you know, it doesn't always work out as planned, but he's still developed into a very, very fine major league ball player. Oscar Gonzalez, who we spoke about probably last year, mm-hmm. he's turned into a nice player. The pitching staff will get into. Um, you have to be pretty pleased, right? I, I'm very pleased. Uh, you know, Avin Rosario, let me tell you, it, it, I, I'm sure you have dealt with a lot of this in, when he was on the Mets. Just The online discourse when it comes to Ahmed Rosario is, <laughs> is exhausting. Um, I'll leave it at that. Uh, but he's a, he's a very solid baseball player, and that's, that's what you need. You, you, if you have a baseline of a solid baseball player, you're, you're going in the right direction. Yeah. Oh, and, and you know, you're going to have, I know, a big knock on his game, at least over his first few seasons, was, uh, you know, no, no plate discipline. Um, OBP was just not a, a, a facet of his game that was much of a focus for him. And, uh, you know, it's gotten better in recent years. But now that his, you know, the contact and the ability to, to just drive those gaps and the mm-hmm. speed and, um, yeah, I, I'm very, very happy, at least from afar, with, with the way things have gone for Rosario. I mean, he was, I want to say he finished the league top five in hits. Uh, yeah, he had 180 hits on the season. Uh, he led all of baseball with nine triples. So that's impressive, especially considering he plays half of his games in Cleveland, not a triples ballpark <laughs> by any means. Right. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I know, I mean, I'm, I'm president CEO of the, um, the Ahmed Rosario 800 OPS fan club. I know he's not there. Do you think it's, um, it's, in the, it's in the cards for him? Or do you think this is kind of what you see is what you get from Ahmed Rosario? I think you'll get closer to 800. I don't think he'll hit 800. Uh, I, I, just, I still feel there's a little bit more power in there that we just haven't seen yet. I mean, he's still, this was his age 26 season, so he's still a fairly young guy. So, I mean, I, I, I think there's some power in there that we just haven't seen yet, and maybe he gets that in a couple of years or so. Oh, sure. And like you said, he's still fairly young. I know for Mets fans, it's probably a shock, but just because he came up. So he was kind of, I wouldn't say he was rushed up because he was, you know, ready enough, but um, mishandled. I guess you could probably characterize it at. Mm-hmm. But now that he's, you know, finding his stride and the confidence is 100% there. Um, yeah. Uh, very, just a, a fun player and a perfect compliment to the rest of the, to the rest of the roster. I mean, Jose Ramirez, unquestionably one of the most talented players in the game. Mm-hmm. Andre Jimenez, you know, finished, 0.1 F war behind Jose Ramirez. Yeah. Andre Semenez had one heck of a season this year. I mean, he really took that step that we all expected him to take. And he's really provided just another incredible bat. And, in, you know, for this guardians lineup and, you know, he's also good defensively. So that helps a lot too. Oh, absolutely. Um, Steven Kwan seems to be the, the spark plug that this offense kind of needed to take another step. Uh, Josh Naylor, <laughs> very fine ball player. Mm-hmm. What are your, I guess, initial early takes on Oscar Gonzalez? Had a terrific season. Um, it looks like, almost looks like the player that everyone wanted Rosario to become, except if he was an out, an outfielder. Oscar Gonzalez was was just very exciting to watch. I mean, it was a little shaky at first, but, you know, that's how it goes for a lot of guys. But he looked very, very comfortable down the stretch. And how can you not like him coming up to the plate and hearing the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song? I mean, come that on. Really? That's just that's his walk-up music. That's his walk-up music. <laughs> 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 
Dude, I mean, I, I've been, I, I you know, I, luckily, of course, I, uh, I hit a bunch of his cards opening up like 2020 Bowman. I hit a bunch of Oscar Gonzalez and I'm like, you know, learning a little bit about him and you see him kind of bubbling through the system and making his way up. I'm doing the same thing with George Valera now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very cool to see. And he certainly fits the profile uh, physically. My goodness. Um, guy looks like a ball player. looks like an all-star. Yeah, he, he looks really good. You know, he's he's providing what we thought we were going to get out of Ramiel Reyes, okay? Because hey, he went to Chicago and did okay. He did okay, but I think, you know, he's got a lot of holes in his game that he has to round out still and, you know, kind of, sure. you know, become a more complete ball player. Because as, as we saw for a, a long stretch it, before they ended up moving on from Reyes, he could not hit anything. <laughs> and it, it's it's really unfortunate. He looked really bad. I mean, he struck out 104 times in 70 games this year, which oh, is wow. that's a lot. Yeah, he, I know he. They had him to. I guess they had him. Well, again, outside perspective, mm-hmm. um, looking to tighten up. I guess the bottom the bottom part of his strike zone. Um, you know, letting things kind of go past that maybe in the in, in previous weeks or months he wasn't. And it seemed to have some sort of effect, but then between the cat and mouse of opposing pitchers picking up on that, they just attacked him elsewhere. Um, big Fran Mill Reyes fan. Hope he finds success, but it really feels like the Guardians kind of hit another stride once um, they decided to kind of move on from what he was providing. They did. You know, they managed to churn out and kind of move on from some guys that in, in previous years, you wouldn't feel that they would do. So Reyes was one. Uh, they moved on from Bobby Bradley. They moved on from Yu Chang, you know, uh, Bradley Zimmer gone, you know, it's just, they, they moved on from all of these guys. And, and in previous years, it's not something you would see them do because they would just keep trying to play them or play them a little bit longer than they should have. This year, it seemed like they're more than ready to be like, okay, we've seen enough of this guy. It's time to go our separate ways. And that's honestly what helped propel this team to where they are. Because, you know, they could have kept playing Bobby Bradley at first base. And, you know, then Josh Naylor is in the outfield somewhere. Now you're, you know, or you look at, you know, they could have kept, you know, Framio Reyes at DH and clogging up that spot in the lineup. And that would give them the flexibility to insert guys like Oscar Gonzalez and Owen Miller and all these other more exciting players they've called up over the past month, like Will Brennan or Gabriel Arias and, you know, have to you know, end up being productive players, you know, it's, and that's really, I think what helped is that they were more than willing to say, okay, enough's enough. It's been great. Best of luck. Sure. And sometimes you have to make those decisions. And, and in, I guess in the guardians case, it, um, it opened up a lot more doors as far as options, as far as, alternatives to combat what you're facing, which, you know, in the AL central, you're facing strike throwers, you're facing, um, you know, teams that are going to put the ball in play and, you know, you're sticking Owen Miller at second and letting dominoes fall from, I guess, Owen Miller anywhere pretty much (laughs) and and kind of let dominoes fall from there. And it makes it, you know, a more of a complete team opens up that DH spot for whoever might fit in that day. It's, um, it's a luxury. And I think that's, you know, National League-wise, we're only starting to see that DH. It really it opens up a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. Having that flexibility is is very important. When you have a team like the Guardians where you have Jose Ramirez as your main guy, but everyone else 
for the most part, is just kind of contributing players. So sometimes you got to shuffle guys in and out of the lineup. And, you know, trust me, depending on the day, uh, Guardians Twitter has a complete meltdown depending on the lineup where someone is. But uh, that's just how it goes. I mean, but having that flexibility to have certain guys in, some other guys take a rest, it, it's, it's very important, especially with the postseason, like we're about to start tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. I mean, then you look across the across the diamond or across the chalk at the pitching staff, and, you know, this is a team that could, you know, very realistically make some waves. You know, you're up against a very tough Tampa Bay team in the first round, but you sending out Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill, I assume? That's, that's uh, I think that's going to be the, the three they go with should a uh, third game be necessary. But, you know, it's going to be Bieber, it's gonna, and he's going to do his thing, you know, and – I would be concerned, I guess, a little bit more in previous years if we didn't play the race so well this year. Because mm-hmm. the Guardians took four out of six from, including, you know, two or three, like about a, 10 days ago. Like, not that long ago. We just played them. And, you know, the, I know the Rays are kind of in a little bit of a slump right now. It happens. But we have some very relatively, I guess, current information about how they're doing at the moment. And that's honestly the really important when it comes to beginning a short three game series. Oh, absolutely. Um, have to be encouraged by the year McKenzie had, right? Oh yeah. Him having that sub three ERA this year was, was nice. Just under 200 innings didn't quite get there, but you know, he looked every bit the part that we were promised when we first heard Tristan McKenzie's name as a guy to watch, you know, five plus years ago. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I, I watched a bunch of him this year. I took a liking to him when he first came up. He has incredible uh, secondary stuff. And what intrigues me about him is that he doesn't overpower you. You know, he's not going to blow you away with this, you know, fireball, fastball. Mm-hmm. He's location. He's location. He's strategy. He, he's, he's a thinking man's pitcher, and I love that. Um, his sequencing and his – tunneling and location. It's just, he pitches like a pitcher who's been in the league for, you know, seven to 10 years, as opposed to three to five years or whatever. Yeah. Probably not even three yet. Right. He's probably <laughs> only two. Yeah. Uh, he, he came up a while ago. I want to say he came up maybe in 20, he came up in 2020. Okay. His first year, but you know, there was, there was only eight games. 2020 was weird. And you, you know how it goes. Oh, sure. You know, he, he took a little step back last year. His ERA was almost close to five and it, 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 his numbers overall look okay. But you know, you look at numbers like ERA, it's like, okay, that's not great. But you know, he, he took that step forward that I think everyone expected going from 2020 to 21 that didn't happen. And you know, sometimes that happens, but he, he looks every bit the part and he looks like someone who was just ready. I mean, you know, he, he had 190 strikeouts this year. I mean, it doesn't seem like he had 190 strikeouts, but he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be that guy who's going to, you know, strike out 11, 12 a night. I mean, he, I think he topped out at 13 this year or 12 uh, in a game, mm-hmm. but you know, he's not going to walk a bunch of guys. Uh I guess the occasional home run, but no one's really immune from that. And, um, you know, you're pitching in a rotation behind Bieber. Let's say he's ahead of Savale, ahead of Quantrill. Quantrill's another guy who had a terrific season. The confidence coming out of that guy's hand is amazing. Um, You know, this is a sleeper team, in my opinion. This is a team that could really, really stand up well against 
the Yankees if they face. I don't, I don't even have the bracket ahead of me. They would face the Yankees should they advance. This is a team that I think would stand up very well against the Yankees. You know, I would like to. I would like to think that they would too. I mean, you look at just the the contrast and styles. It's sometimes that different style, a different way of hitting. It's it can be a little bit of a shock to an opponent. I mean, it, the Yankees are still the Yankees. They have Aaron Judge. He he did hit sixty two homers. <laughs> you know, so yeah. But in, uh, in, in, in know, the same great. breath, you could look up and down that lineup and see. Okay, well, you know, DJ LeMay, he's a tough out. It's always going to be a tough out. Mm-hmm. But you know, Giancarlo Stanton, um, here's a guy who can be attacked. Uh, you know, you look mm-hmm. through that lineup, there's guys who can be attacked. Of course, Anthony Rizzo's, you know, professional hitter, borderline Hall of Famer possibly. But, you know, these are all guys who can be attacked. And the Guardians pitching staff seems like guys who are ready, willing, and able to attack. They have the ability to command their pitches in such a way that they're not worried. They're saying, oh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. we're going to find holes and we're going to exploit them. And, oh, I think that would be fun. I think they have the same capability to do it to Tampa Bay if they have to. That's a, But that's a more of a, a contact-based lineup. I think mm-hmm. it's, I think that might be the sleeper series of the wild card round. I really do. Yeah, you know, you look at both teams, they're, they're constructed in similar, similar fashion. Neither team is going to overpower you with home run balls. Uh, you know, Tampa's leading home runner uh, hitter had 20. It was uh, Randy Rosarena and uh, Isaac Parady had 20 as well. But after that, it drops down to 10. So, you know, you, you look at that and it's not just a whole bunch of sluggers in that lineup. They're going to, you, they have to manufacture their runs. They have to work for it. But, you know, just like the Guardians have to work for it. But, you know, when it comes to this series, it's going to be about, you know, Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill, any of the bullpen arms. And you use the word, and I like that you use the word instead of control. You use the word command because that's that is is the word to focus on. You know, commanding your pitches, and com- you know, it's it's your at bat that yeah. that they're taking a part of. Okay, you're pitching. It's your at bat that you're that you're pitching to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just the same way that you want to pitch inside. You know, that's that's my plate. I'll you know. I'm, I'm going to set the, the the parameters of this little rendezvous, and that's mm-hmm. you know that's that's a um just a beautiful aspect of a pitcher's job is that you have to kind of set that tone and yeah whether it be the Mets the Guardians you know whatever team that makes it this far in the season it's um mm-hmm. they got there for that reason and yeah oh this is just like this is like every holiday and your birthday and all wrapped into one this is like the best weekend of the year for a baseball fan. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be just sitting parked on the couch watching baseball all day tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I already feel a little cold coming on. Sorry, boss. I think I'm gonna have to take a hand. <laughs> um, James, where can everybody find you? I know that you still have this is Believe Land going. You guys have the the site, the pod, all that fun stuff. Please plug away. Yeah, uh, this is Believeland. Uh, you can find all of your Guardian stuff for those who like other sports. Also, Cavaliers, Browns, uh, Monsters. Uh, me and my uh, good friend Brian are doing a weekly Browns stream show that you can find on there called the Supreme Cleveland Sports Show. Uh, we also live stream that via Facebook, and that also ends up on YouTube as well. You can follow me on Twitter at IamMasterDamas. And you can follow thisisbelieveland.com and all the affiliated team accounts on Twitter as well. 
Excellent, man. I, I One, I can't thank you enough for coming back on the show. We don't do this nearly as often as I hope we can. Um, we got to make this a regular thing. Two, oh, absolutely. Uh, keep up the great work over there. I do follow along. I've been following the Guardian stuff all year. Um, I like, I'm a big Nick Chubb fan. So I will be following along with for the Browns. And mm-hmm. uh, w- what's your thoughts on the Elf back at midfield? Oh, I love Brownie the Elf. I know. Brownie like, the Elf. I, lo- I, I love Brownie the Elf. Uh, I know that, you know, outside perspective of Cleveland ever, it's just like, what is going on? You have a team that's named after a color, a section of the, of the stadium that's named after an animal, and there's an Elf at midfield. What is happening? But you know <laughs> what? That's just the fun part of it. That's all the fun. <laughs> oh, you got to enjoy the little things. James, one, I, I can't thank you enough for coming back. Uh, everybody, please check out James's work. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Donovan from Friars on the Farm podcast. I can't believe I said that without slipping up. Friars on the Farm. I did it again. And uh, we're going to preview this Mets Padres series that has us all pretty much turned up to 13. Uh, yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll see you guys in a bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, everybody, we're back. Uh, special guest, my buddy Donovan from the Friars on the Farm podcast. We're here to preview this very exciting Mets Padres series. Donovan, what's huge, happening, my man? Huge, man. Huge excitement here. You know, it, it seems like the Padres just kind of we kind of limped into the playoffs and it almost took to the last day for the Brewers, you know, the Brewers to lose on what Saturday yeah. uh, for us to figure that we were going to play the, you know, at least make the playoffs. And then, you know, it, it took you, you know, it took the Braves winning that game to, uh, you know, to have us face you guys. And, and, yeah. and, you know, to, to be honest, and this is their knock on the mess. I, I, we have a better record against you guys than we do the Braves. And um, I'm excited for this series. It's going to be tough. Well, I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, the, the Mets are a hundred one win team. The Padres, I think, won eighty nine. It does. It's not really a knock on San Diego. This is a good team who certainly, you know, had their ups and downs throughout the year. But all that stuff is wiped clean once the postseason starts. And uh, you know, this is not looking at San Diego. This is not a roster you take for granted. No, no, not with that. You know, obviously Manny Machado has just been an absolute MVP all year. Yeah. Um, although he may not get it, he certainly played MVP caliber baseball. Um, we've really got by the season with uh, with our starting pitching, with, with Darvish just being Darvish. And, uh, you know, Blake Snell not having the great beginning of the season. Um, you know, we should have turned on in the second half and really uh, he'll be starting the uh, Saturday's game. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, and, and having Joe Musgrove, uh, we signed him to a nice five-year dinner, local boy, uh, you know, playing for his local team that he grew up watching. Um, we've been really getting by on those guys. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Darvish has had a terrific season. Uh, Snell has looked like Tampa Bay Snell again. Musgrove, yeah. I mean, you know, he, they, he's been the glue guy, it feels like, in that rotation. Darvish is just – his season's been incredible. I was looking at his numbers today. Um, you know, just a wide array of pitches. He can throw whatever he wants at you. His cutter, which he goes to the most, has actually been hit pretty hard this year. Yeah. He, uh, it's the uh, it's the shape of the, uh, the, the breaking pitches that really – uh, kind of, we live and die with with Darvish, and and the number of pitches, and and you know, the the command of them all really keeps hitters guessing. And um, but you know, it, there is there there is potential there for him to you know get in trouble in the first inning. If he gets to the first inning, um, he can settle down and give you guys a run for his money. Um, we uh, you know, going against um, Max. I mean, God dang, man, Max. It's Max is Max, uh, especially in the playoffs. Max is Max. This should be, you know, this should be a really, really good game one. I'm hoping that home fields offers the Mets some sort of advantage because, again, this is a a good team, a good staff. What what's your take on Soto and Bell coming over? Because I, I do have some thoughts, and I'm expecting them to bounce back. Or you know, again, this is not a a group you take for granted. And these these two guys. Are uh, I guess our prime examples. Well, I tell you, we uh, Preller couldn't have done anything more at the trade deadline. Yeah. You know, you hear names like Juan Soto being tossed around in the media, and you're like, you know, even if you're whatever team you are, you're like, oh no, there's no way, no way, no way we're gonna get him. All of a sudden, we got him. Um, to give up what we gave up for for uh, for what, what three years of two and a half years of control of of Juan Soto and a, really a good shot to re-sign him. I, I really, you know, you hear a Padre fan saying that, but, um, you know, we're going to do our best to resign him. There has been no talks. We're not even letting any of that happen. We just want to get him comfortable in the uh, in the organization um, and go from there. Since he's been over here, he, uh, he's he been hot and cold. He went really like three for 47, just didn't hit at all when he came over from the uh, trade deadline. Same thing with Josh Bell. I love both those guys. I mean, I've watched Josh since he was back with the Pirates, and um, you know the Pirates were remind my wife's uh, breakup team when the Padres would be out of it by say August. Um, <laughs> you know, but both those guys really haven't got haven't got going uh, as kind of as much as uh, we would hope as fans, and I think as as an organization. Um, but the potential is always there for them to, uh, you know, just to break out, just take off. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, once they came to San Diego and the the dynamic of, of the Padres roster kind of changed with that, um, I think it made Soto and, and Bell especially because, you know, Soto's that frontliner, but Bell could beat you just as bad. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that, you know, the way that they were attacked within that lineup, um, it really put them at a disadvantage. I mean, I do have numbers here. So since August 1st, Nobody saw fewer first pitch strikes in the majors than Josh Bell. Yeah. Juan Soto saw the 12th least. When it yeah. comes to total pitches in the zone, Josh Bell was like 
top, well, I guess bottom 30 as far as pitches, uh, strikes seen. You know, pitches are attacking him. Personally, of course, as a Mets fan, I'm hoping the Mets do the same thing. But, you know, you make one mistake to a Juan Soto or a Josh Bell. Yeah. Or, I mean, Manny Machado, even a Jay Cronenworth, who's a, yeah. he reminds me of Jeff McNeil, that type of contact hitter. He can make things happen just by putting the bat on the ball. Um, they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know. It should be a good one. I'm not looking at this as a 100-win team versus a 90-win team. This is going to be good, good baseball. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I love I love that Jeff uh, O'Neill won the, won the batting title. I love the bat that he uses and, and the high choke-up. The Padres back back in the 70s, there was a, a guy who played for the Padres called Gene Tennis, and he choked up literally like six inches on the bat. Uh, um And you're like, oh, my, what are you doing? Like, it was so bizarre. And then you see him doing it with this – with a kind of funky knock bat yeah. and, you know, like a slap pitter with some power there. Um, it is, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a great series. I'm, I'm worrying. I just read about uh, Sterling Marte for yeah. you guys. I, I really felt that was like, he was out there all for a while. No one picked him up until you guys finally picked him up. And I don't know what that, I don't know why everyone was so afraid, but he just had a monster year. I thought monster season. Um, you know, he did it in Pittsburgh for so long. He went to Miami and just had a, a, an unbelievable second half. Yeah. Mets brought him in for four years, I think 78 million. And yeah, he's been a, a terrific addition. I think, you know, the Mets, their offense wasn't as consistent. I guess the, uh, the lineup wasn't as fluid without him over the last month. He broke his finger against, against Pittsburgh. Mitch Keller hit him with a pitch. Um, uh, probably like mid September broke his finger. I saw him taking warmups today. I don't know if he'll be activated for the wild card round. I believe that they're leaning against that. Um, just that he couldn't swing a bat or throw a ball earlier in the week, but he was doing workouts today and got to hope that he's there. Cause you know, you add a guy like Marte up at the top of this lineup with Nimmo and, and Lindor and whoever the, I mean, you could stick McNeil up there, you could stick Canna up there. Yeah. And when everyone's in the lineup, Buck really likes to move guys around. I mean, McNeil has hit all over the, the, the batting order this year. And, you know, they're able to connect at bats really well. And, you know, you just got to hope that they found that rhythm that they lost first Atlanta uh, against Washington to close out the year. And the offense was humming, but, yeah, you know the Padres aren't the Nationals. <laughs> well, thank God, uh, you know. And uh, <laughs> but uh, our our lineup has, like I said, our lineup does have some holes in it. Uh, I, I want to. Don't you guys call him Kenya? <laughs> they, they made that joke on ESPN, and it lasted <laughs> for about a week on Mets Twitter. Kenya. Oh, I I love it. God, you guys are so loaded. I mean, this is. You know, uh, you know, my wife, you, you know, you see your listeners, my wife grew up, was born in Brooklyn, was raised in Port Washington, grew up in Mets fan. By the way, hi, Liddy. And right. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's in the other room right now. Um, so, like, when, you know, we, here in the West Coast, 4 o'clock, games start. So we start watching the Mets game. Padres, uh, you know, start playing, and we go over to the Padres. Um, she grew up a Mets fan. Uh, her father still watches Mets uh, every day, and we, um, you know, we keep an eye on them the whole season. But she moved here in San Diego about 96. I moved down from L.A. Uh, around 96, right when they were getting really good. And yeah. so she kind of, um, you know, fell in love with the Padres and just kind of kept the Mets as like that was the team I grew up. Um, so over here on this side, it's a it's a win-win. If we Pods lose, we're fine because we're we're on we're on board with the Mets. Um, you know, I, I never dated in the American League. That that just doesn't happen. You know, now it doesn't matter, but back then it did. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, are you, I want to hear what you guys think about about Buck Showalter. I love that guy. I love the way he manages. I love listening to him talk about baseball. He's one of those guys where you just like it's a class act, and I think players really respond to him. Oh my goodness! The way that he was able to bring this clubhouse together. You know, the last few years in, in Queens were were. I mean. I've, from what you hear, no one's inside those doors, especially through the COVID years. But, um, you know, stuff was a little hectic in the Mets locker room. And uh, that hasn't been the case, at least from an outside perspective this year. And I think a lot of it has to do with Buck and, you know, the veteran presence. You have Escobar, you have Kana, you have, um, excuse me, Kana, you have, uh, you know, just the, the guys who were there, Max and Jake. I mean, it's like guys who walk in the room and command respect. Yeah. I think it, it kind of keeps the, the, the distractions out and you know you have to assume that buck kind of ushered in that whole that whole feeling that whole vibe um you know i'll be honest when they were talking about hiring him and there were still other options out there buck wasn't my first choice i was a little concerned that you know being away from the game for a couple of years might have affected him um you know you hear him on mlb network and maybe you don't agree with something he says but boy i mean it was like instantaneous, like spring training. And it's like, oh, wow, this is going to be really yeah. good. And it, and it has. It's been great. Um, <laughs> you guys have to be kind of going under the same thing with uh, with your new skipper, right? Yeah. Um, Bowmail has been fantastic. You know, we I, I really I really feel with some of the skids that we've gone through, you know, last year with, with Jace Tingler, uh, uh, another, you know, the Padres always hire these first time, like, here's your chance at the big league managers. Even back to Bruce Bochy, in the when he was a he was a new manager when uh, when he was hired back in the day, yeah. and you know it, the, as the team started to skid, there became some and, and you saw the stuff in the dugout, and that was more about just kind of Manny being a leader, uh, you know Tatis being a, a, a very immature, you know still very immature and and growing player, um, but more there was a lot more in the clubhouse that wasn't being uh, tamped out that a veteran manager uh, would step up and kind of stamp out. And Tinger not really knowing how to deal with that, uh, I think it kind of festered. And as the team, you know, got deeper into a slide, it just kind of spiraled out. Yeah. And there were a couple of times this year where, you know, we went right after the trade deadline. We just went cold and was just losing series after series. And, and you know, a lot of us fans were just going, okay, here we go again. It's the second half, you know, collapse. Um, I, I think having that veteran leadership, uh, at the very top there really made a difference in, you know, just being the, being the steady voice, being the no panic. Uh, I've been there before kind of manager. I mean, he, God, he managed, he managed the A's for how long, you know, we, we saw him um, Voight, was it no, Voight last night? They hit his home run. That, uh, was it last no, night? I believe so. No, with, with the A's, with the A's. He, uh, oh, oh, vote. Uh, Stephen vote. Vote. Yeah. Vote. You know, which was another great story. It's like, yeah, I, I just saw his first home run and I look in the dugout and it was Bowman, you know, much, much more younger, but, um, you know, I think he really makes a difference and you can tell that the players absolutely respect him. And, you know, even though you have veteran ball players in that clubhouse, it really does help to have a veteran presence at the helm uh, kind of d- directing things. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, maybe not half the battle, but a very big part of it is having a healthy clubhouse atmosphere. Because, you know, six months is a long time to be spending yeah. with 25, 26, 27 guys, depending on, you know, the ins and the outs. But, you know, you there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bickering. There's going to be, you know, 
right. points of contention. Yeah. You know, you need a a steady hand to roll through those points and and you know make it to to what we're looking at right now, where you know everyone's got a chance at the chip right now, and and that's you know it's a wonderful thing. You know, it's one of the things I uh, I noticed about watching the Mets game is every time they show the dugout and him and Degrom are sitting next to each other, just chat, 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 chat. You know, look like they're scheming. You know, just talking <laughs> baseball. Like I just, you see those two competitors, you're like, God dang. And kind of the same thing happened this year with with the Padres is the pitchers sit at the very far end of the dugout and they're all together and they're playing. You know, they're playing seed games on the field from the dugout. They're just chatting. They all hang out. Um, all the starters go out to the bullpen uh, when the starting pitchers warming up before the game, and, and they follow them back in. It really has been a, con, you know, really been a very tight unit. Uh, this rotation, and it's kind of, you know, it, it's it's really nice to see because you have so many veteran guys with Snell, with Darvish, you know, with Cleverger coming in, and uh, you know, someone even like Joe Musgrove has just been. Phenomenal, not only as a as a as on the field, but you know, in the clubhouse, in the community, and has become a real leader and has emerged as a as a big leader in uh, in the Padres clubhouse as well. That's great. I mean, it's even when a guy can't, you know, doesn't take that that top billing. Like look at Clevenger. When Clevenger's on, he's terrific. I'm a big Mike Clevenger fan. But even if he's not having a good year, even if he's not effective every time he gets out there, he brings a vibe to the crew. He brings a vibe to the clubhouse. He gets everybody relaxed. You know, those in, those are intangibles, and they offer value even if there's no, well, limited value on the field. And, again, it's not a knock on him. It goes for anybody. You know, you're not going to be Willie Mays every day. Some days you're going to be, uh, oh, I don't want to talk down to anybody. I don't know why Randy Velarde popped in my head, but some days you're going to be Randy Velarde. <laughs> don't ask me why, but for some reason he popped in my head. But, you know, you got to roll through these things. And I think that whole even keel mindset, it's uh, it grows from within that clubhouse. And yeah. you know, it's got to be healthy in there. Oh, look, no. look at the tangent we went off on, all full of philosophical. little bit. Well, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, you guys missed the playoffs last year, right? In yes. Haven't been there since 2016. Oh, we haven't been there. Yeah, it's been about 16 years for us. It's longer than that. I think to uh, 06, I think, or whatever. It's been, I think I was four years sober. Last time we've been sober, 23 years, um, or whatever. Um, it, it's just it's really going to see postseason baseball in Queens. Certainly, you know, about time here. The Preble has been here for a while and has done a lot of things, building up the farm club, uh, the farm system, and really unloading it. But you want to unload it. Um, Right before the trade deadline, I talked to James Wood. Uh, he was one of the key pieces in that Juan Soto trade. Sure. And he hits the kid just miles. Like he hits baseballs miles, James Wood. Oh, my God. Like 30 minutes later, I talked to him. His first at bat, he hit a ball 400-something feet. And, you know, one of those things about that I, I tried to I get this across to uh, the national stands and, and some of the people I wrote a little bit about this is like you see the guy play and he looks disinterested. He looks like he doesn't want to be there. Um, that's just his demeanor. He walks up to the plate like he's strolling with a cane. It's not like a strut. It's <laughs> like, I'm just walking up there. He gets up there and he just hits bombs. Um, you know, and losing Robert Hassel the third was, uh, you know, I don't know, we might, for, for a second there, I thought we might have to just stop having a minor league podcast and just sold the whole farm. 
But, um, you know, the cream will, will rise in the minor leagues, and Preller will certainly uh, restock that farm system. And, and certainly you to get, you know, doesn't matter. Throughout this whole th- whole time with Soto, when he was in a slump, every time walks up, knocks the bat on the catcher, yeah. smiles the dugout, does a little salute to the other side, and just is happy. And it seems more, it seems more genuine you know, hindsight being 2020, then what you saw with Fernando Tetris Jr. When Tetris came up, he was all smiles, having fun, having a good time. Um, you know, since since the light of what happened uh, with, you know, with the um, the PED suspension and some of the other stuff that was in the news about him, um, you know, as, as a fan, and I, I put him on this pedestal of innocence in, God, you never want to put your, you know, I don't know if he's a hero, but you certainly don't want to put your stars on, on a pedestal because they will certainly always let you down. But yeah. so far what I've seen from Juan Soto is just, he's just a, he's a kid having a blast. Total for four miles, everything. Total professional. Um, best plate discipline I've ever seen in a hitter. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, Marcus Stroman was going last season when he's with the Mets going, you know, on and on just how incredible his plate discipline was. And you, you look into his like stack cast page and it's just, you know, you're looking at freaking Ted Williams. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. But um, yeah, this should be a good series. I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that Juan Soto is going to look like Juan Soto of, of old. We're used to seeing Juan Soto from the Nats and um, with the Padres, I think it's just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I mean, I hate to say like, if, if you, you want to beat the Padres, you got to beat Juan Soto. And, yeah. and that's that's never an easy task. Him and Manny. Real quick. Hey, so <laughs> is the new kid, is your guys' new stud uh, going to be on the roster? Who, Alvarez? It, Alvarez. I, Alvarez. Uh, I, if they were tossing it around. I know Buck said that it's it's a certain, it's a definite possibility, which is my favorite oxymoron in the world. <laughs> um, he said it was, a, it was being discussed. I, I think absolutely. I think, you know, Darren Ruff has been, mostly disappointments since coming over and he was really brought over to, to face lefties from the right side off the bench. If he can't get the job done, we need someone who can. And Alvarez, you know, even when he makes outs, you hear him, you know, six, yeah. eight city blocks away. It's, it's impressive. Yeah. I, I really think they need like Darren Ruff, you know, was with the giants and he hit so many home runs against us, but he just was a feast or famine guy. And when I saw, was it a minor league pickup or you guys just pick him up off waivers? Is that what no, happened with Russ? No, the Mets traded J.D. Davis and three prospects to the Giants for him. Oh, my God. And J.D. I, Davis I, finished the season really well. He probably hit 270, yeah. eight homers, okay. 800 plus OPS. And Darren Ruff has done, it's been rough. It's been rough. That would do abs. Well, I'm excited to watch that guy play. And, you know, and I love Francisco Lindor, um, third baseman, uh, Escobar. Escobar, who, you know, watched him for years with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sure. And he's just one of those hard-nosed, hardball ball players. He really struggled for a lot of the season. And then from, like, September, I think the Dodgers series, he got his first two-hit game in, like, weeks in the Dodgers series late August. And – hit over 300 with like an eight something OPS down the, down the stretch. He was terrific. If he can continue that, a lot of guys finished hot. I mean, Jeff McNeil um, hit 404 over his last two weeks. He wanted that batting title bad. I'm proud of him. Uh, 
Donovan, I think that's uh, I think that's all we got. I know I got to take yeah. Lily, Lily to cheer. Um, this should be a good one, man. I wish all right. you, and you and all my San Diego friends the best of luck this weekend. All right, you two are the best of luck, but not that good of luck. And uh, we'll talk <laughs> later, Tim. Awesome, man. Hey, um, everybody, check out Donovan and Roy, who, of course, we miss Roy over at uh, Fry- uh, Friars on the Farm. You find them on Apple. I think you guys are on Spotify, too, right? Apple, Spotify, Google Play, all the everywhere you get a podcast. It's for Podbean. I don't know. I didn't put it in Podbean. Uh, if you <laughs> want to hear about our minor league system, um, I'll be hopefully I, I'll be going to the Arizona Fall League in, in a couple of weeks. And nice. certainly the, the winter meetings over here in San Diego this year. So, um, I'm going to request credentials for that, see if I can't get that, and um, just, you know, swim in deep waters and, you know, be a little fish. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I might see you out there, a couple of guppies swimming in the ocean. All right. All right, buddy. All right, everybody, we're going to see you next time, hopefully with a, a very happy recap of the weekend, but we, we shall see. Uh, until then, you know the sign-off. It's Let's Fucking Go Mets, and, uh, and peace. We'll see you next time.